is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters, two microphones, and one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. All right, good Wednesday. Jay Sandoz, Keith Brake. We are live in podcast world, which means you're going to hear it recorded at some point. I don't know why I said live. We're live. I mean, that's fair. We are live. To, it's live to tape. Yeah, we're it's hum- live to tape. We're human. We're live. Just like Inside Bucks. We're not a man. It's live uh, to tape. Inside. Inside Bucks Sports. One of the greatest uh, intros I think Marty ever did uh, <laughs> over in digital media. So especially where he did like the 3D model, the old days of the dome where it would come together and then like that explode was awesome. out. That was actually. That was awesome. I remember seeing that and it's like, wow, I've really come to a, a big time place. Yeah, we like to fool you. Yeah, I'm not afraid. Not afraid to pull uh, you know the old uh, switcheroo on you. But uh, lots to talk about today. We are going. I wouldn't say that too loud in front of our guest coming up later in the show. Well, he's not in here yet, so So we got got a few minutes to kill before he gets here. But we do have a special guest. It was a nice little lead-in. We will have uh, Dr. Richard Sander, a very special inside the dome. Um, Now we've not asked for questions and things, but we will as the season gets kind of cranked up a little bit. As we always do, because we know the one thing about Dr. Sander, he's you know pretty honest about stuff and uh, likes uh, being transparent as he can with the fans. And sometimes he knows like they don't get the answer they want, but sometimes it's better just to have an answer. This being a little bit of a special um, request by him to talk to Buck Nation, so I don't want to steal his thunder. We will have him on here in a few minutes. We're also going to talk uh, soccer. Uh, it's in full swing. Women's soccer's played a couple of Regular season contests, both were at home. We'll talk about that a little bit later. We'll talk about men's soccer. They're going to open up uh, the regular season at home coming up. So a lot of uh, excitement on the pitch, if you will. But uh, it's been a while since I talked to you, buddy. Did uh, did you have a a good couple days? I know I left you to watch the scrimmage by yourself. Yeah, no, that was fun. I actually enjoyed that. That was the easy part. The hard part was getting down there in the media scrum and uh, hearing – being able to get George Quarles on tape saying that Tyler Rydell will be the starting quarterback for ETSU. I know this shocks everyone, right? Is that the, Are we breaking news there? That uh, actually, Bobby Rader said I did. He said, your tweet broke that news. You were the first one to say something uh, about George Quarles telling the media in the post-scrimmage scrum that Tyler Rydell is going to be the guy. Well, so... I, I think it, it isn't. It's one of those. I know there's other media folks that I think give me the, um, uh, you know, do you really break news if, if you guys are on the inside? But the truth is, and that in that instance, he was still telling us in the hallway, in the office, everywhere we saw him. Like you know, it's still kind of a battle. So he finally. Now we had put our eyeballs and said, it's. I think it's got to be Tyler. It, it would be hard for it to be anyone else. Yeah, I mean, no, Rydell took like ninety nine point nine percent of the reps with the ones that I saw. So like he was always repping with the starters. The other starters were coming to him for information on how to make the offense better because he has the best understanding of this scheme of anybody on the team. Because heck, I think he and Huzzy might be the only guys on the team that ran it. At this point, I mean, West was here, but 
you know, Nate Atkins was mainly the tight end in, in that setup, and the backs had never done this before because it was all Sailors and Holmes that have done it in games. Rydell has, has as much experience, probably more experience than anybody else on the team running this, this offensive scheme or something similar to it that, uh, that they want to do this fall. So, I mean, he was really and, – and, and I'll say this. I think when – I've said this before. He's got a little bit of a, a, a chip on his shoulder, and I'll show you mentality. When you push him is when you get the best out of T.Y. And seeing somebody new in the room saying, i got to go do this again, um, I, I think he really put his foot on the gas and, and, and took control of that competition early and never let go of it. Yeah, I think that's the, the big thing, getting him more comfortable – you know, back in a system where he now, – now, again, there's a little bit of terminology, and there are some wrinkles. I, I, I want to preface that. Like, there are a lot of things, I think, to a lot of people, oh, it's Coach Sanders' system. And, yes, it's going to look like that, but there are differences in what they do, philosophies, blocking scheme. I know is a little different talking to Rodell when he calls out kind of some checks at the line. So there are some different keys from – you know, what Matt McCutcheon was kind of dealing with and Jake Galermo's doing. So there is a little bit of inside the game. But for fans like me and you and probably Don Hellman that love to see, you know, two tight end set, tight end fullback, you know, smash mouth football, run downhill, there's going to be an element of option stuff, which you really didn't see a lot with uh, Randy Sanders. He did a little bit of RPO. You might see – you know, we know that George Corals likes the RPOs as well. So, you know, you're going to see some of that stuff. But the run the ball, run the ball, play action, shot deep, Will Huzzy, that's going to be there. And if the numbers, you know, I believe Rodell's going to have full transparency to check at the line with, hey, you're going to have a run right, run left, or pass. And you put us in the right play, and if they give you the numbers to throw the ball, throw the ball. If you know you've outnumbered them and got numbers in the run game, then run the football. And it's going to be more like Randy Sanders where it's not going to be one back all the time. There's going to be multiple guys carry the football. Bryson Irby was a freshman during that season of 2021, so he did get a little – but he didn't get a lot of reps. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you got Quay Holmes, you got Jacob Sailors. He got a little bit of garbage time in, in 21, you know, Delaware State. And I don't know if it was Mars Hill, whoever, the, the non-D1 game, he got some carries in that. But for the most part – you know, it was Holmes and Sailors, so there's not a lot of experience. Noah West was the second tight end. Um, he got a little bit of time. Tim yeah. Stasekul was the third or fourth tight end at that point. Friars around. But, like, the line, I mean, there's – I'm trying to think. I don't I don't even think any of that. I mean, again, Sean would have been a true freshman and probably running more scout team stuff than he would right. have been exactly. with the – so there's a lot of truth to, like, even though this is going back to it, you know, what's it going to look like? But having Rydell there I think gives, you know, gives me a little bit more excitement just for the simple reason. And I'm not taking anything away from Timmy Dorsey who's, you know, tried to come in and compete. I think Baron Mays made strides. I mean, you know, he's kind of a guy that's that's lost in the shuffle. But down the field throw-ins there, I still think there's some underneath stuff and some touch. But, you know, with George Quarles wanting to run the football and quarterback run, I mean, he's the best quarterback built to run the football. I, I mean, that, I don't think that's close. But we've seen Rydell rip off some runs, whether it was in the spring game. He had an 80-yard or 75-yard touchdown run, 60-plus in this last scrimmage. I mean, he's showing that he has the ability. I gave him a hard time last year because of his negative 
rushing yards for his career, which he still has. Yes. So he's got one of those 60-yard runs. I've already looked it up. One of those 60-yard runs would put him in the positive. So if he could just have one of those. Now, again, sacks and everything play into the fold in, in college football. But for a guy that's an athletic kid that did run a little bit in high school, um, definitely was not a dual threat and didn't you know, come in as a dual threat, but a guy that could scramble a little bit. You know, he's had a hard time kind of scrambling. But hopefully ETSU back to the ground and pound and go, the defense. So we're going to do a full breakdown of that on Friday, of kind of our thoughts of the fall camp since it's concluding Friday. Matter of fact, it'll be their last fall camp day because Sunday they'll take Saturday off. Sunday starts game week. And so that's a whole different animal. Monday press conferences will start. The coaches show will start on Monday. And then we're in it. It's hard to believe it's here that quickly for people like me and Keith that get to watch, you know, a lot of the workouts from the spring to the summer to the fall. We're chomping at the bits, ready to go. We'll see how the team is actually uh, ready to go. And, again, we'll, I don't know if we'll go full position by position. we got to kind of work on that because I, I, I don't know that we need a two-hour show ending fall camp, but I certainly there's a lot of ground in certain aspects of uh, the fall camp I think we need to talk about. You know, whether it's maybe locks in the two deep, maybe it's surprises, maybe it's things to look out for, maybe it's what we strength, strengths are, weaknesses. You know, we're, we're going to sit down together and kind of game plan that to put together what we think will be a nice little uh, wrap-up fall show. We'll also on Friday talk about the couple big games of soccer that's going on Thursday. And so if you're in town, and we're going to preview this here in a little bit, ETSU and Georgia Southern, women on the road at Tennessee Thursday. So we'll kind of recap those games on Friday as well. So. We're going to get back into the normal twice a week at least podcast, probably a Tuesday, Thursday, maybe a Monday, Thursday. We're definitely going to do Thursday just because a lot of feedback last year, and I think it showed by the numbers, giving that pre-game kind of breathing a little bit. Instead of putting it on Friday and a lot of people had a quick turnaround or couldn't listen to it, they get you know pretty much Thursday afternoon, all day Friday, Saturday to kind of listen to the show before they get to – to the game, and so we'll do full breakdowns on Thursday, Monday, Tuesday, depending on some scheduling things. We'll do the recap of the previous week, you know, reaction sound bites, um, and then obviously talk, you know, the soccer's, the volleyballs, and, and cross countries, and anything else that's going on at that time. But what, what I'm hearing, Jay, is that um, if you say I have to go somewhere, I'm getting carte blanche to rip you for not doing the podcast. I don't, I don't believe that's what I said because I wouldn't use the word. Um, well, you talked about uh, all that scheduling that you wanted to lay out and all the times you wanted to get them mm-hmm. out there. And um, mm-hmm. there are times where I'm sitting in here just waiting, man. Listen, I don't know who Catherine Blanche is, but I'm just saying, okay, I'm going to – Kate Blanchett? Yeah, that's her. Trying to <laughs> – trying to, uh, you know, you teach a couple – you know how it is, Keith, on Monday. Monday is a terrible day. Monday's a tough day. Because a tough day. Uh, teach a couple classes, then we have the press conference, and then we, there's a lot of stuff we got to spit out there. Um, so it might be better Tuesday morning as soon as we walk in to do it. But I would like to try to get it out Monday because I feel like Monday it's kind of on the mind. Plus, when I come in the office, um, first thing I do is cut on the tape from the previous day so it's really kind of fresh because you know how it is when you do the game. Like I remember a lot, but then you miss a lot. Yeah. And so uh, to, to go back and, and able to do that. Plus, if we do it on Tuesday, I probably have had a – more opportunity to watch other games around the league. And early, it's not that big a deal. Um, but once we get into league action, I really like to make sure I watch all the I hope games. you're enjoying this Jay and Keith show uh, production meeting that we're having 
Quiet Sometimes it's therapy, right? We need to have it's for <laughs> mental health. We got to get this going. Um, well, we'll move on. Uh, what we need to do now is Dr. Richard Sander has requested a little special inside the dome, so I think we should open the door and let him in. The man in charge. Doc, Doc, I shouldn't have to remind you. I'm a doctor. Goes in the hot seat. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions that I want them answered immediately. I'm your huckleberry. It's inside the dome. Did he just call it a dome? Dome, 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 All right, one of our favorite segments, Inside the Dome. You know that means we got Dr. Richard Sander, the athletic director here at ETSU. And the one thing you know you're going to get is um, honesty. Is that fair? Unvarnished yeah. truth. I was trying to think of a good word to go with it. Unvarnished is good. Uh, all right, Doc, we've got you on here. And normally, you know, we do this segment. We take questions. and want to get uh, a lot of information on what folks want to hear. This one's a little bit different because this is you being a little bit more offensive to get uh, a message out of it. A little full-court press here. Yeah, you know, a little bit um, offensive, I can't say it, but um, be offensive. You know, like we talked about a little bit earlier in, in our staff meeting, you know, I think this past year we were playing defense pretty much, you know, with some of the challenges that we faced. And so what I think we really needed to do last year was just try to create a, you know, just kind of survive. And then once we did, once we stabilized things, we could then move forward and really try to be innovative sustainable model that would really set the path for ETSU athletics into the future. So, you know, talking to a lot of people, you know, on our staff, a lot of our coaches, but also athletic directors and coaches across the country, I think, um, you know, we've kind of come up with a, a model that will really um, help ETSU into the future, and everybody hopefully will buy into that. And we can get a lot compl- accomplished, but I think, you know, what that really have to be much more focused on the student athlete like we talked about um, in the past we pretty much just focused on you know the student athletes um, athletic performance on the floor on the court on the field on the diamond uh, wherever um, and then the other thing was their academic um, progress and success but I think in today's world um, we really need to look at a much more holistic approach to our student athletes a lot of times people ask me like you know what what can you do over there? What's going on at the athletic department? A lot of times I say, you know, I don't really control the playing time and the, the winning and losing. I can just tell you what we're doing internally because you can obviously pay attention if they're winning, losing, somebody's playing, not playing. So on the back end, we've always kind of supported, but this is just to a different level to address the ever-changing landscape of college athletics. Yeah, you know, I think today's athlete is so considerably different than, you know, five years ago, seven years ago because, you know, changed so dramatically that I don't think you have to be, um, you know, a wizard to realize that, you know, college athletics has changed dramatically, you know, with um, the transfer portal, with NIL, you know, these young people have gone through COVID, you know, they also deal with social social media on a daily basis, plus they've come out of a youth sports model that is completely different than I think anything we've seen before. So I think when you throw all those things together, you really have a student athlete that is much different try to deal with them the way we dealt with athletes five or ten or uh, 15 years ago, I think, is, 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 you know, going down, it's kind of going down the wrong path. So as we move forward, we're going to be, like I mentioned before, much more holistic. We're going to try to help them be successful in every phase of their life, because I think today's um, young person 
I think, you know, like I said, so what we really want to do is we really want to have a, you know, holistic approach. So, you know, like I said, we, we dealt with uh, athletic performance, we dealt with academic success, but now we're going to uh, have a total of what we're calling 10 pillars that are going to be the foundation for what we're trying to do. And, of course, those two I just mentioned are important, but also we've uh, invested in
much of the all-in and they totally committed to what we're doing. And then finally together, if we do this together, if we break down the silos, if we all come together, if, if our football team supporting, you know, our women's soccer team or our tennis team supporting, you know, our track team, we want to all be together because we all, um, we all have the same goal and that is to be um, the best that we can be and make ETSU athletics the best. I think you talk about community. You know, a lot of people when they sign with ETSU, especially I think this last cycle, whether it was the, the main sports, football, basketball, it's easier to kind of follow that. A lot of them talked about it was the community. It was how they felt. It's when they walked around town, people knew stuff. There needs to be a community created within the athletic department because there's a lot of things in college athletics. And, and myself and you, Doc Shanna, we, we did a lot of research on the NIL. And all the stuff that goes into that, and to work with a group that, that's trying to start a collective for uh, ETSU athletics, and so we can only help do some research, and we got to step aside. But during the research, we discovered I think that no matter how much money we come up with, somebody's going to be able to come up with more money somewhere else. So how do you try to mitigate and say, okay, well, if you get a little bit of money, but they're getting more money, what would be another reason to stay? And the community is one of them. But that's on the outside community. But maybe if the inside community was different, it gives them another reason to stay. Yeah, and, I, and, and you know, I, I'm not naive, like you said, Jay. I think you know, you know, money talks. You know what I mean. So I think there'll always be those situations. But if you don't do the things that we're talking about, if you don't develop those relationships with your student athletes, if the coaches don't develop, you know, the relationships with the administration, and we have this total focus on on being great. I think our chances of, um, you know, not just turning this into a revolving door where every year, rather than have a program, all you have is teams. You have a new team every year, you know. And I think the, the one thing that kind of really you know, hit me in the face is, you know, women's basketball, you know, with Coach Mock. I mean, you know, she has ten returning players. You know, she had nobody leave, you know. And so um, I think that kind of said, why is that? them play, you can see why. They play with great energy, they play with great enthusiasm, and they play with great togetherness. So I think if we can kind of build that relationship with our coaches and our student-athletes, then, you know, I think we can definitely mitigate, you know, the transfer portal and, um, you know, kids just leaving. We, we will, I mean, like you said, we're not naive. There are some kids, you know, uh, financial peace will be so many positives to that, not just them having a good experience while they're here, but then they become great ambassadors for us, and we can continue. They can then become mentors for the kids that are here, and uh, I just think it's something we need to do, and we need to totally focus on that. One of the other things, you know, we want to do is, you know, we want to do some research with our student assets to find out, you know, what are those things, and you hear about it all the time in today's world, what are those things that, you know, stress them out? What do they do when they're stressed out? You know, a lot of people, when they stress out, you know, they look for different ways to cope with that stress. Some go to alcohol, some go to drugs, some go to, uh, 
yes, there's so much information, there's so much pressure with all the social media out there. I think a lot of these kids, um, and, you know, this uh, new sports program they've come out of, I think they do have a lot of pressure, and we just have to help them uh, know how to deal with that and, you know, figure out how to give them the best possible experience. Uh, how important is it, I mean, because you've talked about before, that some of the most beloved alumni are the players that were here long-term and still come back. Guys like A.J. Merriweather, Patrick Good, uh, just to name a couple with the men's basketball team off the top of the head. Uh, those players are really beloved, and their names endure, and they are part of this community long after they graduate from here, and they're on campus every day, and they're in town every day. How important is it to you that that become the default with, with the, the investments you want to make in student ethical? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's what it's all about. You know, I think we are really um, we are really focused on that. And I, it was really interesting, uh, I think, because you know Saturday we had a meet the team uh, event, you know, in the stadium, and it was really rewarding to me to see our student athletes engage with kids, with you know families, with adults. I mean, they were terrific. You know, I can't say enough about you know the student athletes, but you could also see they. Really This is a, that was a, what, a three-hour commitment. There was a two-and-a-half-hour commitment that they had, and they were going to scrimmage later. And you thought you'd see some, you know, moaning and, you know, grumbling and that sort of thing. You didn't see that at all. They really seemed to enjoy it and be out there and genuinely had a good time. So I, I think it's really important that anything that we can do to get the kids out in the community. You know, in the past, we've had, you know, players deliver uh, season basketball tickets to our season ticket So um, it, it also kind of locks them into the community, too. And I think once they realize what a great community, you know, Johnson City, the Tri-Cities area is, I mean, that's good for everybody. It's good for them. It's good for the community. It's good for people just to um, – it, it's just uplifting. You know what I mean? I think if we can get to that point where, you know, this area is ETSU and people care about, care about these kids, and I think – Irrespective of whether you're an ETSU grad, alum, whatever, um, ETSU is important to this region. And the more we can do to um, foster those relationships and get, you know, the general public to know our student athletes and to know our coaches, and not be, you know, not, not be in this, uh, you know, in, in, in this constricted area. We, we, that's our effort to get out there. We hope people will. Um, reach out to us, too, you know, so I think that's a, that's an important part of what you said, because like you said, I mean, those guys, like Mr., going back a long time, Mr. and Greg, and, and, and Greg, um, Greg Dennis, Greg Dennis, I was saying Greg Daniels, Greg Dennis, and uh, Calvin Talford, and, and that group, Major Gear, those people are all kind of legends here, and I think the, the community wants that, you know, but we have an obligation to provide the opportunities for that, that to happen. But it, it, it is important. I think it helps everybody. It helps quality of life. And, you know, for little kids, you know, President Nolan talks about, you know, his son growing up, you know, who's his, uh, who's the, most, the, the best basketball player in the world? So, A.J. Merriweather. Who's, who's his number one quarterback of all time? Austin Herring. It's not Tom Brady. It's Austin Herring. So, I mean, I think that kind of speaks volumes about, you know, what we can do in the influence, you know, 
ESU athletes and their coaches have in this in, in this area? Uh, you know, getting out in the community, doing the, the right thing, that's, that's part of what we've always tried to do, trying to do more of that, trying to get – and for a lot of reasons. One, getting the, out in the community to do good, they should be giving back, right? They right. should be grateful, one your words should be that. But the other thing is that goes back to networking because you don't know, you know, who you're going to run into and whose kid does what. And there are a lot of businesses that, that either sponsor, you know, ETSU or network, and there's some that don't that want to hire ETSU athletic graduates because they know the hard work, the dedication. But a lot of times in today's world, those kids aren't getting out to even make that initial stuff. So not just community-wise, you know, with the kids and things, I think it would be great, and we've, we've started to talk about this, you know, they go out to a business and speak right. speak to an Eastman or speak to some of these other places and, you know, financial advisors and getting folks out there doing that stuff because it's just we've got to get uh, – those kids out there because they are a valuable part of our community. And you see a lot that have come back. You know, great example, Ben Rhodes from, sure. you know, Centerville, Ohio. I know his wife's from around here, but him coming back, he, you know, he wasn't quite sure about that. And then, you know, I think he went to the Red Pig or something. As soon as he walked in, three people knew he was, tried to buy him lunch. And he was just amazing. It's one of those things where, like, yes, it helped stroke the ego, as he said, but in the same token, it was like he had such fond memories of here. And then the second he walked in, it was welcome, and it was like back home. And so there is a lot of that going on. But I feel like especially post-COVID, maybe it's not been a great job of getting out and, and getting our kids out in the community on the business side of things to, again, because it's great. Again, air runs out of the ball or whatever the saying is, right? At some point in time, the ball stops bouncing. You've got to do something else in life. You know, and if that's coaching, that's fine. But if it's not, what are they going to do? How are we going to get them? And we've got to be able to do mentoring things and, you know, if you hear the podcast and you would love to get involved with this, there, we'll talk about it a little bit later. There are plenty of ways to get involved with this mentoring program and to get the kids out in the community and to get them working afterwards because we're not doing our job if they can't get a job out of this. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things, you know, we're going to focus on as part of, you know, our, our B-grade student-athlete success paradigm is, you know, we're going to work hard for our kids to try to get them good jobs situations when they when they finish school here I think that's so important I think it's something that we've uh, I think very few athletic programs in the country have really focused on so that's going to be you know point of emphasis for us we're changing you know our academic support um, office to called student athlete success um, office and I think that's one of the things that you know not many people do we really want to you know those are the kind of things we really really want to focus on that kind of I think is a little innovative and different from what other people are doing around here. But like you said, Jay, networking. You never know when that connection, that one person you meet is going to do something that's going to impact your life forever. And so the more um, folks you can connect with, um, the better it is for you. Plus, who knows, you may be able to help somebody else. And, you know, I hope in this world we get to the point where, you know, we, we care about helping other people. And um, I think that's... Uh, we will continually talk about too and I think we have done a pretty good job of getting out in the community going to schools or going to you know, boys and girls clubs whatever but I think we also need to deal with getting out and building that network of um, people in the community and so you know getting to this point I know a lot of people are like okay so we're, we're going somewhere with this and then how can people, help because this is obviously what we're on here talking about 
we can't get there right just flip yeah. a switch snap your fingers this stuff you know there's a cost involved and some of it is um monetary and and actual dollar value and some of it is time and so there's a lot of different ways to get involved yeah no question you know i think um like you said there's a there's a lot of different ways if you want to be involved you know there's availability here to do things to help you know to meet kids to mentors you know students to to um who knows you know uh, i probably shouldn't say this but um sure I can, you know, take a kid to lunch, you know, get to know him, you know, and just, you know, I think mentoring. You know, Dutch is fine. They can go Dutch. They can go Dutch. Okay, good, good, good deal. (laughs) But, you know, I think just getting to know him, and and, uh, I think that would be terrific. And we're going to have opportunities for people to come and get to know him, just like, you know, Saturday. I think the people that came to meet the team, they got a chance to meet some of those kids, and I think they felt really good about that, and that some relationships developed. So get involved, be part of it. If we have, we're going to try to have much more um, interactive type of events. Come, get involved, get to meet these kids, talk to them, and I think you'll find ways that you can support and help just from that standpoint. I think you'll, and I think the, you know, our fan base will, will benefit from that too. But then, you know, the other thing, like you said, we can't flip a switch. You know, we can't build a fueling station just, um, you know, just things cost money we can't just hire sports psychologists those things cost money you know we can't do it the things that we're talking about we're adding more um, advisors and counselors mental health counselors in every area so you know with that in mind you know we're going to create a, a campaign to raise money and all the money that we raise will go specifically for you know this particular initiative which is you know the be great initiative it's not about ticket priorities. It's not about getting the best, best parking place. It's not about any of that. This is just giving money to help our student-athletes have the best experience so they can be you know, the best possible ambassadors when they graduate, but also be truly successful in their life and then become role models for other people. So, you know, we, we are going to have this campaign. We're going to launch it on Monday, August 28th, and I think uh, – asking people to give zillions of dollars, you know, it's, uh, we're asking people to basically give a dollar a day, you know, I give a buck, it's going to be the name of the campaign, give a dollar a day, and um, when you think about it, uh, you know, that's not a lot, but it wants, I, I want this to be, you know, a grassroots initiative where we have a minimum of a thousand people willing to do that, and I hope, I, I don't think that's unreasonable, you know, um, but, you know, we're going to need everybody to say, okay, uh, I get it, I'm going to help some young person person that they can be through the, the Be Great program. And, and I have to say, I, I love, we've been talking about I Give a Buck for months now, and I love this idea for a couple of different reasons. I mean, one, we've, t- we've seen the power of small donations in really in American politics and, and how that's allowed grassroots campaigns to grow and become something that maybe challenges what might be viewed as more conventional political campaigns. That's something that can happen in college athletics as well. I mean, a little bit of money from, from a lot of people can go a long way. But also, I've been to donor events at a lot of other universities, and I have been the youngest person in the room at most of them, sometimes by a lot. I'm 33 years old. P- 
people my generation haven't been as engaged in, in donating to college athletics. Doing something like a dollar a day to support your athletic department seems like a really good way to engage a whole new generation of people in supporting athletics through more than just buying merch and buying tickets. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it is. I mean, we're, this is helping you know, this is helping people, you know what I mean? It's not buying white helmets or, you know, fancy gear or, you know, staying at the Ritz-Carlton when you're traveling. This is about doing something to help young people be the best that they can be and to have a great experience. So I would think that, you know, unlike some of the, you know, the Power Five guys, I mean, some of the money that they raise is is It's awful. outrageous. It is it's eye-watering. Yeah, and then, you know, but you're seeing – you know, student athletes, you know, like I say, you know, they're staying at the Ritz Carlton, they're flying uh, private charters, you know, they're, um, you know, they're, they have 20 peer, pairs of, you know, $300 shoes. I mean, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about doing something to help this young person be the best that they can be to have a great experience. It's not about, you know, the other things that, you know, look shiny and do that sort of thing. This is about having, you know, programs to support them in everything that they do, whether it's nutrition, whether it's in mental health, whether it's in sports psychology, whether it's in career development, whether it's in, you know, um, athletic training or strength and conditioning, those sort of things. And by building the network, by building the leadership academy, by doing research, we're going to find out, you know, what are the real issues here. So, so, you know, I think that's uh, that's why I think people can get behind this. Um, you know, like I said, some of, nothing against anybody, but some of the monies that, you know, folks are raising, some of the stuff they're, <laughs> you know, we've all seen it. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty extravagant. My thing uh, about this campaign, and we've, we've talked about it for, for a long time internally, and then a few months ago we really got steam with it. It's just, to me, the amount, because – Every little bit, as Keith said, can add up quickly. I mean, if you had a thousand donors, easy math, three hundred sixty-five. If everybody gets it, right? Right. right. You have three thousand, you're over a million, right? Yeah. Simple math that, that can make a real difference in people's lives. But a lot of times, a lot of people, how do I help? How can I get involved? I don't live there. I don't want to buy tickets. I don't right. want to do this. What can I do? And then, you know, a lot of former athletes um, and even young adults that are maybe thirty. Well. Gosh, I just can't meet that whatever five thousand dollar here or there. Well, the genius of this is okay. You can start at a dollar a day. You can do three sixty five. You can do a thirty dollar monthly deduction, like anything else of subscription, like your Netflix or whatever. You can get it done that way. And if you have means and you're willing to give more, you can give more. If you can't, and three sixty five is what you can commit to, great. And in all honesty, if you can't, if you're twenty three years old and you just got a job and you only give five dollars a month. That's fine. The whole point of this is we want buy-in, the all-in of this, together, right? The last two letters of the word great is to try to get everybody on the same page together. It would be great if you did 365 in a minimum. If you can't, it's fine. If you could do more, it's blessed. Just, you know, we had kind of a soft launch, and the websites I give a buck.com, and there's, you know, 26 donors. There's $19,000 in there. So a few people have stepped up. Or what they can. And I'm positive there's probably several of those that are 365. That's the point. As we grow and we're going to try to give updates, we're going to try to be transparent. We want to prove to you this is what it's going. We're going to have student athletes tell you 
this is how this is improved with a fueling station or um, sports psychology, whatever it, facet they need help in, mentoring program, talking you know, to this mentor as soon as I get out of here, I've got a job lined up. All this stuff is something tangible I think you, that everyone can see and feel and be a part of. And sometimes there's just this, well, just give because you love the university or just give blindly to this. This gives, I think, a lot of purpose into what you want to do. If you give elsewhere to a sport or something, again, we're not trying to take away from whatever you're doing. We would like 365 on top of that. Again, if you're already giving that amount, hopefully you can afford the 365. But we're trying to reach people that really want to participate from different states that are alum, former athletes, to try to give to this. Long story short, on the financial side, anywhere, anybody, this is an amount that you could easily make and do it yearly that will help make a real difference in 300-plus student-athletes' lives. Also, I think a piece of this, which we'll get to here, is, is the mentoring program. If you have time and are willing to pitch to us, like, hey, you know, I would be willing to come in and teach a class on, you know, balancing a checkbook. I would like to help teach a class on resume building. You know, whatever facet it may be that you think you could have, or we would like to hire, you know, student athletes but they may not have thought of working in this field we would love to host you we would love to take student athletes to you we want to be out there doing this thing and so part of this isn't all just hey give us money some of us say hey do you have time to help these kids out to talk to them to mentor them to show them you know how to be successful yeah i mean no question I, I, the, the mentoring piece is a big piece to me and and it's such a big piece that we have basically challenged all of our coaches, all of our administrative staff to mentor five or six kids. And so we have challenged them to get these five kids or six kids, whatever it is, and they'll all be different. They'll all be in different um, sports. None of the coaches will have anybody in their litter, a little mentor group that will be in their, in their program because we want, you know, coaches who have a lot of knowledge, who have a lot of contacts, administrators who have knowledge. We want them to be able to really build relationships with these kids and get to know who they are. And it's more than, hey, can I throw a 90-mile-an-hour fastball? Or can I hit a 300-yard drive? That, that's not what it's about. It's going to mean, uh, what, you really, what, are, what are these kids all about? What are, they, what are their worries? What are their fears? What are their dreams? You know, what are their team to be cheering for the track team. We want the women's soccer team to be um, all in at the volleyball game. So I think, you know, we're really trying to do that. We think that will really help. But like you said, Jay, if people in the community will get involved too to help mentor, mentor kids and talk to them. Sometimes kids just need somebody to talk to. I know, you know, the thing that kind of struck me is, you know, my grandson is going to college this year. So, you know, he's a, he's a same, you know, he, he's, uh, you know, he's the only um, kid in his family, so, you know, it's a tough time, so he goes there, and, you know, lonely, but, you know, those are things, you know, you have to kind of understand, you know, and, and try to help all those kids be able to, you know, to overcome the, the, the challenges after I think a lot of people are homesick when they leave, you know, and, and I just think if we can do that, and people in the community can help us, you know, talk to these kids and Think the biggest 
turn for me and kind of the thought process of, you know, student um, students, not just student athletes, but students going to college and struggles. I went to military first, so I had a little bit different mentality, I think, when I went to school after I went in the military and how you're trained and all that. And going back and teaching this ETSU 1020 class where they ask you to mentor basically the 25 kids that are in your class, I was amazed at some of the things that I didn't really have to deal with because I'd already kind of been in the military and stuff that, that a lot of students hadn't had to deal with and seen firsthand what the mentoring program had done and then me mentoring a few of these student athletes who have been in my class and I've told this story many times but you know Big Fred was in my class you know Tyler Rodell was in my class you know he still calls me several times you know Fred went to firm and he called me we talked about that you know um Brent Burke, who's a thrower for us, is a very talented drawer artist. That uh, Keith will tell you when he walks by me, I make him draw something on my whiteboard just because I'm amazed at how talented he is. But it, that kind of told me, like, hey, there's some kids and some struggles and family situations and other things going on and students' lives that are a struggle and hard to deal with. Then you throw on, you know, basically a 20-hour work week, you know, lack of a better term, for the, for the games and, you know, and the mandatory stuff. And, yes – you know, they have access to tutors to help, but so is everybody else on campus in some form or fashion. But seeing how that mentoring program has changed, I'm a huge fan of the idea today that was launched that, hey, these assistant coaches, these staff members are going to get five student athletes that aren't in your sport to kind of work through that. And I think it's going to give a much better perspective to coaches to this, again, to the holistic approach, and that's internally. But, again, if we can get outside mentors to help us with that, and especially – to have them in line to say if I one of my five you know student athletes is interested in you know woodworking or, or putting down flooring I call you no know, pulling over at Mullican flooring and say hey man this guy is really interested in all that like I've got to connect to get him there so I think that's the the other part of this uh, again uh, yes the financial piece and, and we're going to be putting QR codes everywhere we're going to be asking we're going to be doing things and and, and not being passive in this. We're going to be a little aggressive, like, hey, we need your help. Please step up. But there are plenty of other ways that we really need you um, in the community to help step up as well. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think sometimes, you know, we forget that, you know, these these big, strong athletes that we have, they have the same fears, doubts, whatever that, you know, anybody has, you know, and sometimes we just look at them as an athlete and forget, you know, that they're a real person and, you know, they have challenges too. So if we can help them when they have these issues, I think, you know, it'll benefit them, but it'll also benefit ETSU for sure. It'll benefit Johnson City in long term. I think there'll be tremendous benefit to, uh, you know, you don't want to get too crazy, but I think if we can, you know, start somewhere and make people be feel good about themselves and understand that, you know, they have a responsibility to help others. Maybe we can do some things to, you know, in our society to, to make it, make it uh, you, you know, you just get to the point where you, you, you know, you, you just wonder where we're going with some of the uh, hate and, you know, unhappiness and people being so confrontational. The hope, hope one day, especially with the ever-changing landscape of athletics that has changed so much since really the 2020 and the COVID year, all the shifting of everything, the NLI. I mean, again, there's probably still three or four more years before this all really 
settles down, and we're just trying to figure out a way, at, and we being tissue athletics, trying to figure out a way to, to you know, stay ahead of the curve, relevant, trying to keep everyone. Again, the retention's the, the big thing. I think right now across all of college athletics, if you ask everyone what their biggest problem is, it's just retention because it is seen as the Wild West, rather right, wrong, and different than it is with the portal, with everything else. Then I think it's just interesting to see, you know, where it's going to go from there. Um, and, Doc, this is just a, a small piece. And there's going to be more more to come. And, yeah. again, the official launch is, you know, going to be at the Coaches Show. It's going to be 530, 730, Wilson Avenue in Johnson City, Wild Wing Cafe. Obviously, not everyone lives here. can't go to it, but you can listen uh, to the radio show, you can listen to it online. WXSM has an app you can easily download. We have a live link on that on the website. You certainly can watch on Facebook Live. And then we're, we're going to try to really get this thing going. If you're interested in information right now, I give a buck.com. That's all one word, I give a buck.com is up and running. It'll put you where you need to be and give you all the information you need. And the most important part of this, too, what we kind of saw this when, when we were dealing with it was. You know, when you go grassroots and you do some things, the, the, obviously the big thing like the ice bucket challenge, you know, the, you can uh, share it. You can challenge other friends. There is actual challenge button on there. You can share it and just challenge you if you know that there's a, a Buck fan or somebody in the community or somebody you think would be, you know, a good person to do, you know, go ahead and do that. Let's have a little fun with it. Let's see what uh, if we can make a difference in, you know, 350 college students' lives. Yeah, and, and you know, I think, you know, you drive to, you know, Northeast Tennessee, Johnson City, see a lot of the ETSU pride signs and I think that's great but hopefully everybody that has pride in ETSU will be willing to give a buck so we'd love for businesses that you know our student athletes impact our university impacts to you know give a buck give back a little bit you know I think we all feel good about it well doc we appreciate it we'll uh we'll, we'll be talking more we've got more stuff uh we'll be rolling out uh, throughout this next year as far as I give a buck we'll be down there at the coaches show and certainly once we get into the season i'm sure the inside the dome questions will be flowing for you oh yeah so yeah i mean as you know as time goes by you know jay knows you know please feel free to reach out and get questions to jay when there's enough of them we'll have another podcast and i'll tell you what i know it's probably not a lot but i'll tell you what i do know <laughs> you'll be honest about it I know that. Yeah. all right doc shane i appreciate the time thanks jay We'll be talking about it throughout the year. Uh, I've said about – I'm asked that a lot during that, probably more than I should have. I probably should let him talk a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I was going to say – I didn't want to just jump in and be like, can we let the athletic director talk? But I get fired was, up, man. You know? No, it would. No, it's, I mean, it's important. We all get fired up about um, you know, things. I mean, we're all here because of the kids. And well, we all get fired up because of these young people, and uh, we should – you know, we should have a, a very emotional response that sometimes turns into – uh, maybe a little bit of a tangent, you know. That's, Not that's I, just, that's I, just how it's that's how it's supposed to be. I've said this before, and I really, I think Gallagher had to calm me down a, a couple years ago because it's got livid. Because many years ago, a bunch of my buddies who were, were ETSU grads would like. Obviously, it's self-deprecating where you go to schools. Everybody does it. I think it's just kind of oh this that and other. But really, at ETSU, that used to drive me crazy because I was like, okay, you went to ETSU. It's given you enough to, you know, have a job, pay for, you know, your needs. you got a family. It, you know, provides. 
your parents are ETSU grad. What what are you so, you know, anti ETSU or why are you talking about like why why, you know? And then if, oh I didn't have this and that. Well, that's because it takes money, and it just and like it's like you know you could give back to you know the College of Business or education. And again, I've said this before. It's like day of giving. When I was going a little bit of rant day of giving. Yes, I would like it to to go to ETSU because we see what goes on here. But to me, wherever you feel the calling to help out at ETSU to help either college students, to help buy, you know, for the chemistry, to buy beakers or whatever they need. You know what I mean? There's just a lot. that You just need a lot going on. So that being said, what I would like to talk about is on the field now because I think we talked a lot about off the field. And on the field, for women's soccer, a lot of kind of the woes I saw last year in that Kennesaw State, the opening match was dominating for – 55, 60 minutes, really putting a lot of pressure and just having a hard time finding really the back of the net. And then you turn to, to Davidson, and then it was similar first half. They're they're putting pressure. They're going down downhill. They're getting shots. They're getting chances. It's going early second half, a couple more chances, and ETSU not able to find the back of the net. And then all of a sudden, kind of a – you know, kind of in soccer sometimes there are – beautiful goals and exceptional goals and sometimes there are happy accidents where you know maybe a corner kick wasn't really put where it was supposed to and a cutting molly carson came in and 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 got just enough of a foot on it to to squib it uh, a completely different direction and it finds the back of the net but either way yeah molly carson really good on on the opening goal of the season and I, i told jay yelton on Thursday, after I watched the, the Kennesaw State game, I, I said, when they get the first one, you're not going to wait nearly that long for the second one. And I didn't think he'd be waiting all of 71 seconds, but I knew that, the, the, that once they figured it out, they were going to they, they had figured it out. Yeah, they, they were going to figure it out, and they did against Davidson. And, and, and I really think their conditioning was part of that, too, because Jay Elton has put a real emphasis on we want our team to be fit and, and, and deep in terms of its fitness. We want to be able to go to five, six players off the bench that can come in and continue to press a team all over the field for 90 minutes so that we're not taking our foot off the gas, and we wear them down. And that's exactly what they did to the Wildcats. They pressed them, they harried them all over the field, and they wore them down. And then in the 76th minute and the 77th minute, they score quick goals back-to-back, and they win. And that could be the formula for this team this year is press hard, break another team down, put a ton of pressure on them, and ultimately watch as they crumble in the waning minutes as your superior conditioning and your really promising young talents and the forward group uh, come to, to steal the show. I mean, you, it took 166 minutes for the first goal, right? And then, you know, 71 seconds, just over a minute for the second one. And we're going to talk about the second one in just a second, but – Going back to the pressure kind of comments, I mean, ETSU's outshot their opponents in two games right now by 20, 28 to 8. And the other yes. thing, you know, the amount of corner kicks, 13 to 3. Mm-hmm. You know, so you look at the, the pressing offense, and they had that a little bit last year. And if you look at, you know, and I know at some levels they do time of possession and touch and all this. We have so possession so, stats. So I, but they're I, not, I mean, they're not on, on the one-sheeter that you've got there. But, yeah, possession stats, it was 59-41 in the Kennesaw State game and 60-40 in the and, Davidson game. And so I had told Keith 
because, you know, you kind of came in late a little last year, um, and I said that was really the MO last year was it would be about 60 minutes possession, and they just couldn't seem to find the net and had a very talented goalie, kept them in a lot of games. Now all of a sudden you're seeing the younger um, freshman, sophomore players really starting to come of their own a lot quicker, and I think Jay Yelton was expecting it if you had a little true serum on them. And you're seeing that pressure really starting to come in. And now that 60 minutes of pressure they've had has resulted in a couple of goals early and a win. And now you're sitting there feeling pretty good about where this team sits. Now, we'll get into Thursday in just a second, but they're going to have a little tough test on Thursday. Uh, yeah, just a, just, just uh, a but tip. I, I just want to point out, um, recruiting timelines in different sports are different, and some of them are weird. And soccer is one of those where – if you are put in a situation where you take the job and three weeks later the entire country shuts down, shuts down and there's no in-person recruiting for you know, a year, um, it can be really, really difficult to build the relationships you need to build a roster to get the talent in that you want. To, that, to, to underscore that point, Reagan Fitzgerald, who scored the diving header, the second goal, committed on February 16th, 2022. Over a year, I guess it would actually be, yeah, 18 months before she came to ETSU to compete. She committed in February of 2022 to play for the Bucs. So they have been they have been playing catch-up on the recruiting front, and we are finally starting to see players, large groups of players, large cohorts, if you will, of the kind of player that, that Jay Yelton thought he could bring to ETSU uh, to compete. And you're seeing those kids make an immediate impact. Molly uh, Kaysen had the first goal. She was assisted by Ava Matern, another freshman from uh, Gulf Breeze, Florida. Then you had the second goal where Ella Parker, a freshman from Georgia, assists Reagan Fitzgerald, a freshman from Florida. And that is just, I think, indicative of what you hear when you hear about soccer recruiting, when you hear about the timelines that, that it takes and, and how much you have to catch up when you are a new staff anywhere. Uh, we're finally starting to see that that pay dividends in year four for Jay Yelton. And this group, hey, this group's legit. Fitzgerald is, is so much fun to watch. If that diving header didn't go in, I, I perish the thought of what else she would have. She might have ripped her own leg off and thrown it at the ball. I mean, she was going to tear herself to pieces for that inch. You know, like the, any given Sunday, right? She's a competitor. Uh, she's got that killer instinct as a goal scorer and uh, just relentless when she was out there for ETSU on uh, on Sunday and on Thursday. And I look forward to seeing her put to the test against a veteran Tennessee back line on Thursday night. I, I think the Bucks obviously have a very considerable challenge. Um, the leading goal scorer for the Lady Vols is Cameron Simmons. Uh, if you are big into international soccer, you may know that name because she was part of the Jamaican Women's World Cup team that uh, won their first ever game against Panama. She came on as a sub in the 1-0 win over Panama in Perth on July 29th. And then uh, she came back over here and has scored in both of their first two matches. They've won them against Cal and Lipscomb by a combined score of 7-1. to one. 
So this is uh, this is probably an at-large team in the NCAA tournament. The Bucks can get a draw here would be a phenomenal result. Would actually be the first time ETSU hasn't lost to Tennessee ever. So uh, they're, they're very much going in the deep end Thursday night. Yeah, I don't want to really jump into that until I, I just talk about Reagan Fitzgerald's header because if you've not seen that, it's on all the social medias at it this is, point. And it's incredible. It is amazing. She is fully laid out, arms out, I don't know, a couple she, feet off the ground. She even, she even told me, she's like, I went face first into the dirt, and I had no idea if it went in. But then I looked up and saw the side of the corner of the net, and then she just went bonkers like you should when you score a goal like that. It's always when you go face first and it goes in a net, it's easy to recover from that. If you shoot that <laughs> wide right and you look up and it's way off, you know, you kind of lay there for a second to let it settle in, but it's yep. you, the adrenaline of the goal. And we've seen that, you know, plenty of times. We've seen some bicycle kicks uh, throughout the years and other headers or diving. But when you face plan and it goes in, it's amazing. It's kind of like when the quarterback gets blasted on a long, you know, touchdown throw, right? They get up a little quicker than if it's a, just a long, incomplete pass. Yes. But it was spectacular. Um, I sat there with my family sitting in the stands watching it, and then, one of my twins looked at me and goes, what happened? And we're like, you didn't see the diving header? <laughs> no? Hey, Dad, where's the replay? Okay, son, you, I, you, I, I, I got to get you out more. <laughs> there's, there's just not, that's not how that works right now uh, in the replay world. But it was, and I showed it to him because he's a soccer guy. So showed him uh, it later, just unbelievable um, goal. And it was already kind of each issue, kind of, felt that first goal go in, a little bit of a relief of like, okay, here we go. But you're right, once that first one went in and the second one went in, and then uh, the deflation you could feel from the other sideline uh, from the Davidson uh, folks that it, it was pretty much over at that point. Yes. Oh, yeah. Once you get up 2-0 with 14 minutes left or 13 minutes left, yeah, that's game over. Um, that's, uh, that's a heck of a play. I just it, We weren't 100% sure from our angle that Fitzgerald actually got to the ball. But seeing the reverse angle, it was just—it was so plainly obvious. Because I thought, I was like, yeah, she, she got ahead on that, and she was celebrating like she got ahead on it, and her teammates were celebrating like she got her head on it, and we were just kind of looking like, did she? Did she? Because you know, when when we announce the goal, we don't want to announce the wrong person up in, the, up in the press box. That does happen. It does happen. Um, we we didn't want to do that. We want to make sure we got that one right, especially since whoever scored that goal it was going to be their first collegiate goal. So, uh, and that was incredible. That was a top five goal in the history of Summers Taylor Stadium. All right. So, the, yes. I mean, let's, let's think about, I have a top three. Um, I have a clear top three. And I don't know about four and five. I think probably the Fitzgerald diving header is in there somewhere. Number one for me is the Emmanuel Wilson heart stopper with 2.7 seconds to go against Wake to force overtime. Number two is the Atone Fubara title winner off the outside of his right foot, back behind him into the goal to beat. Uh, was it Stetson uh, in 2010? And then from the Wake Forest game, the other goal from the Wake Forest game, the David Gino uh, twisting, wrong-footed volley for the first goal. That was that's number three for me because that was just ridiculous. It's like that's that's, that's stuff that does that doesn't happen. You just look at that and go, "That's stupid. Why would why would anybody do that?" But also, that's incredible. Why? Why? How could anybody do that? 
you know, David Gino was just, David Gino was something else, man. He was unbelievable athlete. He got, he got horizontal for a couple different goals, but that was the big one where he was completely off the ground, like way off the ground. His feet were above his head. And normally, like in that situation, you use the left leg, like you come around over the top and you swing because you've got more momentum on it. He used his right foot and just kind of poked it. But he poked it as hard as some people would kick it with the other foot, and he scored a goal. And I was like, this is ridiculous. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And then I saw the Wilson goal later, and that was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Partly because uh, a Wake Forest midfielder picked up the ball and thought the game was over, and that's what led to the free kick that, that, uh, that delivered the winner or delivered the game-tying goal. But um, I, I'd say probably those three, Fitzgerald's diving header, and then what else you got? I have to thank. Kev Elmore had a pretty good one from like 30 yards out that caught the goalkeeper off her line. Uh, just like literally tucked it into the corner where the crossbar meets the right goal. I think it was the right goal post. And it just like snuck it in that corner. I was That was really good. Um, well, while you're on the subject of men's soccer, uh, throw that out to you. Know, they, sure. Home, home opener Thursday, Georgia Southern. Can they have somebody have a top five goal? Against Georgia Southern, they yeah. might have a couple. Georgia Southern's rough. They have a brand new head coach, and um, this is how cool the and how small the world of men's college soccer is. So uh, they hired Lee Squires. Lee Squires is the former. Um, I have to double check it. Hang on, I have it, I have it in my notes. He is, I believe, the former um, two-time Peach Belt Conference Player of the Year. Uh, at Lee's McRae, where he was uh, teammates with Ronnie Rea, who later transferred and backstopped ETSU to its first A-Sun title and is now an assistant coach at UNC Asheville. Uh, let me see if I have that right. Yeah, Lee Squires, uh, he was he won two Peach Belt Conference championships. He was really successful at Landry, won 100 games in eight seasons. Um but I believe, yeah, that was him. Um, yeah, but he was, yeah, Lee's McCray, yeah. Um, national runner-up in 2009. He was a yeah, uh, conference player of the year in 2008, 2010, and he played with Ronnie Rea, who came to ETSU the following year, backstopped into a title, and off they went. So um, Georgia Southern's in a rough place. They had one of their worst seasons ever last year. They were one fourteen and one, and uh, they've got some work to do. Uh, and, and they're in a stacked conference too. The ETSU is going to play another Sun Belt team on Monday. Uh, they're going to go on the road to number three Kentucky. So those are uh, those these these are some these are different ends of the spectrum. And then you're going to end up uh, with a pretty good measuring stick between the two, I think, somewhere. But I, I would expect ETSU to be just fine against Georgia Southern on Thursday night with the, the talent and the depth that they have, especially up front, but all over the field. I think they're the better team. And then they'll roll into a, a couple of uh, big-time games, SEC at Kentucky. And then, of course, Friday, September 1st, uh, we'll have that game on ESPN3 against North Carolina. That's also got a tie to uh, – uh, Correct you, Kentucky is in the Sun Belt for men's soccer. There is no SEC men's soccer championship because only Kentucky and Missouri play it. Uh, well, good for them. 
Yeah. But they are the number three team in the country. Okay. So fairly good. So three three ranked teams on the schedule for the Bucks to start the year. Kentucky is number three. They play number 15, Virginia. And UNC Greensboro is number 10. So they are looked at as a prohibitive favorite to win the SoCon. Again, not a surprise. But if the Bucks can win one of those games, it really puts you on a radar. It really gets people's attention. And ETSU does have a little bit of a history of being able to pull off those kinds of wins and then flirting with the top 25 themselves. Remember in 2010, 2011, Scott Calabrese had this group in the top 25 for a couple of weeks. So this is a team that I think has some upside that puts them in the national conversation. Not as a national championship contender, but as a team that people are going to be seeing on national ranking lists fairly high up the ladder if they can get the results that I think this team is capable of getting and certainly motivated to go get. And then, you know, so you're talking about George Southern, Keith thinking ETSU gets the first win, and they got a tough game at Kentucky. And then North Carolina, I don't know. I think that's a winnable game. Would you want to guess where uh, Carlos uh, started his uh, coaching career? I don't have it up there yet. See, Uh, I'll I'll do some research. I already did the research for you. Where do you start? VCU. Do you know who the athletic director was? Dr. Richard Sanders. Do you know who was the sports supervisor? Uh, just got hired a couple uh, months ago. For William us. J. Burton. <laughs> BJ. So, uh, BJ didn't even know. We're sitting there, <laughs> and uh, that, that was the best. It was uh, Dick uh, Sanders said, hey, uh, BJ, you know who the coach of North Carolina was? I got no idea. It's just, it's just I quote, Mr. Personality is all he said. And BJ thought for a second. He goes, it can't be Carlos, is it? He goes, oh, no, it's Carlos. He's won that championship there. <laughs> so there's uh, there's some ties there. Again, small world. You were talking about, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, just the coaching world and just the, the small community, again, because there's not as, you know, the SEC, they don't sponsor men's soccer a lot of things. So Correct. Or at all. Uh, I guess they uh, have a few teams in the SEC that play and get sponsored into a different conference. But a lot of things going on. Men's soccer, home opener, Thursday against Georgia Southern. Women on the road, Tennessee. We'll have those uh, kind of recaps, thoughts on that for you on Friday. Uh, we will also talk football as we will wrap up fall camp. We'll talk as, both footballs. Yeah, yeah. Football and football. You can just say football. It's okay. Oh. Football and football and let other people parse it out. We'll actually talk football, football, football. Yes. Men's football, women's football, and men's football. Yeah. So there you go. All right, a lot, uh, lot of stuff on that show. I'm sure it was probably a little longer than we intended, but uh, Dr. Rich Sander inside the Dome wanted to get that information out. He also said you can go ahead and start sending your questions, and when we've got enough of them, go answer uh, the fans' we'll questions as he always does. So Let's get another one. Let's get another one. ETSU and goals. Let's get another one. Never have too many. What are you looking at? Uh, I don't know. I was trying to figure out something else, but then I don't have enough time to talk about it. So. No, you don't, because the show's over. It's yeah. the Jay and Keith show. On the back of the